Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Hustle. Today, I'm joined with a very special guest, Mr. Maximilian Winter. He is a venture capitalist investor helping entrepreneurs launch exponential organizations in health and breakthrough technology. He is also the founder and CEO of the Noya Fund, and I'm excited to have him on and just kind of share his journey and his knowledge of this industry. So with that being said, Max, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rodney. No problem. So yeah, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you give people a background of who you are and kind of what you are doing in this space? Yeah, so uh, Noya Fund is uh, a small micro fund in venture capital that we uh, started a few years ago and are at about 20, 20 some investments in doing about another 10. We are focused on uh, kind of life sciences, healthcare and traditionally some other investment fields as well. Personally, I, um, I came from Germany, lived half of my life there, and uh, have been in the US for 15 years. And uh, my background is mostly, mostly in finance, had a short stint on Wall Street, and, uh, and then was able to work with entrepreneurs and, and venture capital. Awesome. And so what kind of led you to becoming an investor? How did you end up in that role? And how did you end up more specifically in health tech? I thought that this is how I could make the most impact. I think also uh, it wouldn't be a full conversation if I didn't mention that there's a, a certain amount of privilege. I think anybody can do it, but at the same time, it's easier if you have certain learning experiences, like you've, uh, you have a experience in your, you know, on Wall Street and finance and in healthcare, and you understand what uh, what are really big problems that are needed to be solved that are not only impactful for humans, but uh, can also unlock a lot of you know financial viability. Okay. And so when it comes to health tech, these companies are reaching out to you for your resources, for your knowledge to help them actually grow their company? Or what role do you play in helping health tech companies? Yeah. Sometimes it's either. Uh, oftentimes it's both. I think smart founders uh, look beyond just uh, getting funded and look what what other value all the stakeholders, including investors, can add to you know to their evolution. So that could be anything from product development or business model strategy, who else they need to hire, key hires, and tools that help them in their operations. Okay. So is there a specific type of health tech company that you yourself have grown fond of or you like their business model and you would prefer to work with those types of companies? Has anything really stuck out to you? Certain types of companies or a certain type of founder. I think our thesis is constantly evolving. It's more around human health, which is really broad. It could be anything from life sciences to healthcare to to agricultural applications. And so I think in terms of a project to work on to back is something that is uh, meaningful, something that's really needed in the world, instead of maybe another social media platform or 
not to degrade those, but I think um, those are all mostly things that have been done. So I think the next the next wave of companies that are going to unlock a lot of value are are in things that are really needed versus really optional, in, in my opinion. And then in terms of founders, I think humble personality, willing to learn, coachable is really amazing. Someone who's really resourceful as well. So it can do a lot with uh, very few resources and people who are very responsive. So it doesn't take you that long to hear from them, whether it's email or when you, when you contact them. Uh, I think those are some of the main things. Awesome. So people who are ambitious and have those goals set and really people who are really trying to innovate rather than duplicate in this industry, actually having a vision to create something new rather than just copying someone else. So when it comes to the companies that you want to help, what would you recommend? What stage are they usually at when they're coming to you? For us, they generally have some kind of validation whether that is in the, the product that they're developing, the, the service that they intend to deliver, or you know, at least like intellectual property and maybe some kind of traction that is um, you know, that they have customers or patients or some kind of client. And then that they have uh, either spent significant time on their business model or roadmap and or have it, you know, have a team or have, um, have really good ideas as to what, what their needs are around their team. And this is something that we're, we're willing to help with. But generally, in terms of a finding, financing stage, that means that it's in the venture capital lingo, it's called a series seed or series A. So it's not, not the idea stage, but it's generally a little bit further along. Okay, so they're a little bit past the inception part of the process and they're trying to transition into getting it adopted into the market. And so they already have that foundational knowledge, whether it's the strategy, the tools and the team, but they would approach you to kind of get them over that hump or push them in the right direction and just give them that extra momentum. Yeah, I think that they still have kinks in in their whole process, I think is kind of to be expected. Maybe their team isn't perfectly well-rounded yet, either on the science or the, the business side, or their business model isn't perfectly built out, their roadmap, or the partnerships, any any of this stuff. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's, I think it's just the technology or the product has to have some kind of validation so that we can see, okay, well, now maybe it's only the risk of manufacturing it or uh, bringing it to, to the customers. And those are still significant risks, but we think that we can estimate them and handle them a little bit better. Okay, interesting. And so because they have this foundation, I guess, this framework put together and they come to you, you guys are able to identify the good, the bad strengths and weaknesses type of deal and suggest improvements upon that. And so I kind of want to switch gears and talk about the team on your end as part of your fund and how you kind of pulled those people in together so that they can provide value to the companies who are seeking your help. Yeah. You mean an everyday workflow or how we came together? How you guys came together. Just, I know it's more than just you and this company. And so how did you go about finding other like-minded individuals who understand how to provide value to the people who are coming for you for investments, other health tech companies? Yeah. That's that's a great question. I think um, 
you have to source talent that is really versed in multiple fields. In our case, that means you have to have someone who has a deep science background and understanding that can validate technologies or products. Then you you have to have someone who's familiar with the, with the investment process to some extent. So you know the due diligence and maybe sourcing opportunities and and some other things. And I think finally someone who is uh, who is good in social situations who can uh, who ideally has a has a network and can tie that into the first two skills that they have. Okay, interesting. So when it comes to your actual fund, are you doing anything to like go out and find like new investment opportunities or are people mainly coming to you? And what's that relationship? It's both. They come to us and we source them actively. I think it's a little bit more of us sourcing actively, but it could be close to half and half. We source them in different networks. There's um, accelerators. So these are programs that give really young businesses a structure to for the founder to develop an idea and bring it into certain validations and make it ready for an investment. So we have a pretty broad network of accelerators. It could be something like uh, Y Combinator and then uh, also the, the less known ones, IndieBio, SOSV, and, and, and things that are, that are really not on the map, like uh, Bio Generator in uh, St. Louis or Bio Accelerator in, uh, in Alabama. Um, then there's uh, angel groups. So angel investors are people who uh, kind of invest between the idea stage and a little bit further along before institutional uh, venture capital firms come to the table. And they usually are pretty good at sourcing deal flow. And then there's others, uh, co-investors. I think one of the best sources of opportunities is uh, founders themselves, because they always know the latest and uh, they're, they're quite plugged in. Like directly to the company founder? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, for example, like if we have uh, a network of founders, whether we've invested in them before or, or not, but we maintain a relationship with them they'll say, hey, I, I thought this, uh, this opportunity was really fitting for what you're looking for. And uh, this is a great founder. It's a personal friend of mine. Or, um, and then you have this kind of reference. I think that that oftentimes helps, but it's not, it's not necessary. Gotcha. So that's just more like a direct referral type of networking thing. Um, but you mentioned like accelerator, angel investors. And so the role that they play, is that more like the middleman type of deal where these startups or these companies have to be able to get on, get investments from the angel investors or be part of an accelerator for you to actually show them any attention or show any interest, so to say? No, no, you don't have to come through one of those necessarily. I think that's what happens most of the time because after that, they've had a good amount of feedback and have really refined their thesis and and technology to a certain extent. But there's... I think there's definitely some founders who are, you know, maybe they're taking it out of the university and, um, and they're really fast to learn. And, you know, maybe they have a couple of really great mentors. Maybe you have a great business mentor and you have a great science mentor, and then you, you might not need those steps. You can, you can probably skip them. Although I think it's fair to say for a lot of people, they could really benefit through like a, a back and forth iterative process with um, with one of these groups, incubator, accelerator, angel group, 
or any other, you know, mentor or university network. Mm. So what's like the main difference between what you do and what like an angel investor or a different accelerator does? For us, well, I think to some extent they're overlapping. Uh, to another extent, they're not. So I think for full transparency, we're still kind of working on operational playbooks and, uh, and certain things. Um, we, we talk to accelerators. They, they say things like, these are scientific companies. And so a lot of scientists come here. They're not entrepreneurs. So they have a whole module of their course, of their program, that focuses on how to make scientists understand uh, entrepreneurship and then how to become entrepreneurs so that they can do both, right? And for us, I think we, we kind of round out that process that they have started because I think there's always, even after that, you know, three or six months program, you can still refine your business model, your strategy. You probably still need to have some key hires in your team you know, be able to, to raise money and, and other things, you know, maybe for traction. Yeah. Interesting. And so you are making these connections, you're working with a bunch of different health tech companies, and you're getting more familiar with the industry in general. And can you kind of speak on any major or common challenges that you see recurring in this industry? Yeah, I think some are probably quite apparent to a lot of people like, um, the healthcare system seems to be fairly traditional. It's actually more of a sick care system than a healthcare system because there's not a lot of preventative measures going in to keep you healthy. It's kind of more reactive than proactive, right? There is a lot of silos, I think. So if you go different departments in a, in a hospital, might not talk to each other. Like technological systems like softwares and, and hardware might not be connected to each other. So it's, it's a bit disjointed, and I think there's a lot of value to be unlocked in that. And then finally, I think there is a really a paradigm shift in terms of mindset that is needed for individuals to, to be in charge of their own health. And I think that's going to grow with, um, with wearables and being able to track your hydration levels and your even glucose levels and, and all types of... Uh, biomarkers, eventually probably also things like your uh, inflammation levels and, uh, and things like that that can really tell you, hey, um, you're at risk of something, you know, maybe pre-diabetic or, you know, maybe at risk of a heart attack. And uh, I think that's really going to save a lot of costs to the healthcare system, but also put people in charge of their own health and be able to uh, be proactive. Interesting. So really just decreasing the illiteracy in the healthcare space and also just immersing the actual patients in their own health by providing them, like you said, data from wearables and whatnot, but just getting them familiar with being able to track and know what their actual health is. Interesting. And so I kind of touched on it a little bit, but who would be your ideal target audience for companies that you'd want to work with in health tech? Yeah, I think it's a little bit more on the life sciences side that anyone who works on uh, genomics or uh, microfluidics or you know more on the biotech side, but you know ideally in software and uh, a plat a modular platform, meaning uh, something that is you know for example in in drug therapy therapeutics you oftentimes it's just one shot on goal and if you 
if the drug doesn't work, then you know, then the company fails. I think for us, it's more like a software platform. Like it could be a diagnostic test that can test multiple things, and there's a lot of potential to pivot the company if you know if the the remaining validations of the technology are not working out the way that the company expects them to. And then in terms of digital healthcare, I think there are some some developments that are interesting as well. Certain platforms could be a, a marketplace, mostly on the software side, but we've we've also done medical devices. So I hope that's a that's a sufficient yeah. answer there. Yeah, that's interesting because like if you think about it, software is really as an investor standpoint, it would be easier to scale, right? Because it's not actual products that you have to create, manufacture, and ship out. Yeah, yeah, I think so. As long as you have some partnerships that can, where the software can go into all of the all of the hardware that certain medical companies or pharma companies or any healthcare company is um, that is entrenched is uh, providing. Meaning all of those, all of the hardware already exists in the hospitals, for example, but this is a new software. So as long as you can be integrated, I think it's easily scalable. Ah, interesting. And so we kind of talked about the whole relationship between your company and how you help health tech companies and also just the process that they go just to get to you and what you're looking for on your end to be able to provide value to these types of companies that you want to work with and that you want to invest in. Um, but So what sort of advice can you give to any health tech company, entrepreneur or business owner who is in this field and is looking to grow or looking to get more investment? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest one is probably surround yourself with uh, really smart people. Okay. Someone once said that you're kind of the average of the, the five people you hang around most in, in terms of financials and personality character all all types of things so i think that's the big one being um i think being in an ecosystem or in kind of a, a place or a network that um that really cares about um education personal development and uh, like entrepreneurship all, all of those things i think otherwise i would say to really get the essentials right like uh to have a business plan uh a bit you know, make sure your business model works, which is tricky, you know, before you can really test it. Have a, a roadmap, meaning like a strategy of what you're, what you're going to do this year, next year, and how that's going to evolve. And then all the way, think it through to the very end, right? Like, how are you going to exit out of this? And maybe even what are you going to do after that? But I think it's a, it's a mix between the high-level considerations and the details, like the the unit economics and is it scalable? At what level does it work? And all of those things. Interesting, interesting. So yeah, this this episode is just a little bit different from the past ones I've recorded because they're mainly just other health tech entrepreneurs and business owners and how they were able to grow their business and go about it. And so what I find really valuable in this specific episode, which will be very valuable to like the listeners and my audience, is that we're getting an insight from someone on the opposite end, someone who's actually investing their money into these companies to help them grow and what you are looking for and kind of giving them the right advice on things that they should be thinking about and have in place before actually going and uh, getting more investments to grow their company. So yeah, just want to thank you for that. Yeah. And one thing I would add to it is um, really the, 
iterative process. You know, the more feedback you get, the better. The more you hold yourself accountable, like even if you just write an email to yourself <laughs> or to a few people, right, to get a little a bits and pieces of feedback every week. Or uh, I think the faster you can iterate and the faster you can do this rapid prototype, rapid prototyping, I think the, um, the faster you can move and the less money you're going to spend. And I think it's going to just flow better. Gotcha. Interesting. So yeah, we're kind of reaching towards the end of the podcast. We've talked about a lot of pretty high level strategies and stuff and just the process and that relationship between an investor and accelerators and actual health tech companies. But I kind of want to end the interview on a little more lighter exercise. I call it rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and you just give me whatever answer that you come up with. Sounds good. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite book of all time? The first one that comes to mind is uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel, just because it's very uh, applicable to venture capital, what we're doing, and also, uh, I would say, entrepreneurs could probably learn a lot as well. Gotcha. And then what is one goal that you want to accomplish this year? Finish the fund and uh, maybe start raising, either extend it or start raising uh, external capital. We as investors sometimes raise money too. <laughs> So we actually have to get ourselves in the shoes of uh, startups uh, in some ways and, uh, and see what is our differentiation and all of that stuff. So I think uh, to, to kind of keep going what we started and to finish that in a, in a really clean way. Awesome. And who is the most influential person in your life or career? That one goes to my mom. Shout she, out to mom. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's always been there. And uh, outside, tough to say. It's uh, probably some some entrepreneur. <laughs> Someone that you came across, consumed their content. Um, last uh, one. Founding father or something like that. Ah, got you. What is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? I think I would do a lot of research on what um, how the world is changing and what kind of skills are needed and what how that matches up with what I like to do. You know, maybe to do something that allows you to contribute in, a, in your own unique way to one of the bigger problems that is, um, you know, you think will be solved uh, during your lifetime that you can kind of prepare early for, but it's, uh, it's deep enough, but also it's broad enough to, uh, to be able to pivot and, and do something else. I think a good balance of that. Awesome. Well, I think that is a perfect way to end today's podcast. Just want to say thank you again for jumping on and just sharing your knowledge, sharing your wisdom and uh, what you're doing in the industry. Um, so for people who are interested, how can they learn more about your fund, learn more about you and uh, what else you're doing? Yeah, they can find us on uh, N-E-U-E-F-U-N-D.com, noyafund.com, or they can find me on LinkedIn. Maximilian Winter, and uh, you can also, uh, they can probably find me through you as well. Okay, yeah, definitely. I'll put some links down below. With that being said, that ends today's episode. Thanks again, Max. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.